thank you so much for listening and subscribing to the Billings Adventist Church podcast. This is where you will find previous sermons from the pulpit of the Billings Seventh Adventist Church in Billings, Montana. I'm Pastor Stephen Carlisle, and I just want to say welcome home. I am so glad that you've landed here. And if you're new to our church, or even if you're from around the world, I invite you to head over to BillingsAdventist.org, hit the contact us, and let us know that you've been listening. Again, so glad that you've joined us. Now let's go ahead and listen to this episode's sermon. Blessed are the peacemakers. Finally, we have arrived at a beatitude in which we've all can say we've done something like that, right? We've broken up fights between siblings. We've told a group of people, can't we all just get along? You know, like at board meetings and business meetings and all that stuff. You've told your spouse, look, I don't want to fight with you today. See? Peacemakers. But what, is this really what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about being a peacemaker of just going around and settling fights and telling your siblings to get along or your family members to stop the family feuds and, and to get along and to, to just stop it, right? Just stop it. That's what I say as a dad, you know. Kids, just stop it, right? Therefore, I can put on the stamp, I'm a peacemaker. But maybe there's something more to what Jesus is saying See, a lot of times we want to talk about that, that, you know, it doesn't talk about being a peacekeeper, right? It's not just someone that's trying to keep the peace. It's not even someone that wants to desire peace. But this is someone that makes peace. And while there are many different ways to make peace, there could be something more to what Jesus is trying to get to his followers, those that are around him. And so I invite you to open your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 5 as we continue studying and learning these Beatitudes, what they mean for us. And as they continue to build on top of each other, they, they begin to form something really strong and really powerful. Matthew chapter 5, and we'll go through and we'll read through what we've already well, we've already studied to remind ourselves, and then we'll see the next beatitude that Christ has in store for us today. Let's pray. Father, as we open up your word, we want to say thank you for it. We thank you that you said these things. We thank you that they have been written down, and we thank you that they mean something for us today. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would open our hearts and our minds to what it is that you have in store for us right now. I pray that you would anoint my lips and my, my brain, and my throat, Lord, everything, I pray, Lord, that you would just take care of everything so that we can hear you speak. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, he went and sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Not the peacekeepers, not the peace desirers. Blessed are those who make peace. How in the world is this even done? How does someone make peace? Is that even possible for someone to make peace, to be a peacemaker? Okay, so there's maybe going and apologizing. Maybe it's forgiving. Maybe it's, it's reconciling with someone that you've had a feud with. Those are all parts of making peace. Those are being peacemakers. And I think that throughout Jesus' message, throughout his life uh, here on this earth, he would, he would, I think he would put a seal of approval on that, going and, and making peace with those people who, who you've had grudges with, those that you've had feuds with, going and, and having a meal with them. All of those things are good. All of those things help bring peace together between individuals. But Peace in Scripture means so much more than the lack of conflict. Peace in Scripture is, is wholeness. When you, when you use that word, and you've all heard it, shalom, right? When you hear Shabbat shalom, Sabbath peace, right? So this idea of peace, this idea of wholeness, that's what shalom meant. It was not just this idea of, hey, we're cool. We're not mad at each other today. Can you imagine if that's how you greeted people? Hey, good to see you. By the way, I'm not mad at you today. That'd be nice. I think even as a pastor, I'd enjoy that sometimes, you know? I just know right off the bat if someone's upset or not, you know? We just, we just get that out of the way. Hello, happy Sabbath. I'm mad right now at you, okay? Great. Let's talk about it. Let's get, let's get it, right? So... But this state of wholeness, this idea of, of well-being is more than just relationally. It's this physical well-being. It's a spiritual well-being. It's, it's, it's in these different dimensions and not just as individuals. It's not just peace to you, but it is peace to all. It is a, not just an individual thing, it is a community thing. So when, when you would go around and you would tell somebody, even when you were leaving, you'd say shalom. Even if it wasn't Sabbath, you'd still tell, greet people, shalom, shalom to this house, shalom to you, shalom. This was this uh, a blessing of, of peace, this blessing of wholeness to all parts of your life. Your physical, your spiritual, your mental, your family, your kids, the whole community, everywhere you go, everything you do, peace or shalom was something that was was really blessed or given to you as you went around. So you got to think about this now. If peace or shalom meant that much to God's people, and this meant a lot to God's people, maybe Jesus wasn't just talking about being mad at one another and reconciling differences. It's included, but it's not exclusive. So it's not just breaking up a fight. It's not making two children apologize and then go play again. What if the whole idea of making peace doesn't start with us at all? I know that we, we immediately we want to turn this and, and say, okay, what do I need to do? 
But in all of the reality of, of being part of the Beatitudes, this isn't something that you go and you try to accomplish. These are things that you receive as you become a child of God. And so as you accept Christ and his, his way of living and how he's called us, things begin to change in your life. And you become poor in spirit and you become mourning of your past sins and you're comforted. You see how all of these things are coming together. And so now you look at it to say, well, is it really that I just have to run out and I've got I've to go make peace with a bunch of people? Maybe. Maybe that's what God is calling you to do and there's, nothing, there's definitely nothing wrong with that. But maybe it's got to start somewhere else before you just run out and start trying to fix things on your own power and your own strength. Think about this. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 tells us that Jesus is the prince of peace, right? And Jesus, it was and is his mission to restore to earth in heaven the peace that sin broke. And as sin broke peace, Christ has come to mend it back and to restore it. And the question is, is how did he do such a thing? Turn with me to Romans chapter 5. As we take a look at what Paul had to say about what Jesus did and why it was so important Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1, says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to keep going. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through what? Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, I love this, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This peace 
that Jesus brings is far more than just stopping a conflict. This is a reconciliation that only Jesus could accomplish. Now I know that all of us could say that we come from a dysfunctional home. We all could talk about the dysfunctions in families and family members and how different people have done certain things and we are estranged and all these different, you know what I'm saying? And you know that it would only be an act of God as if there was a reconciliation. Only by God's grace could he work on someone's heart and this person's heart and this person's heart enough to be able to bring people back together. So you know that kind of on an earthly level, you know that kind of on a a relational level here on this earth with, with family or with friends and all these things. Take that to a whole nother level of the spiritual realm and recognizing what the enemy did by putting sin into this world and separating Separating his people from him. You talk about something that only God could bring, bring back together, and that's exactly what God did. Without this, there is no hope. Without this, there is no salvation. Without this, you and I are lost forever. But with this, we have eternal life. With this, we're saved beyond what we could ever even imagine. And we get to spend eternity with our God. This right here, what Jesus has done, is reconciling the sinner with the most holy. It can't be done unless Jesus does what he does. And so, what did Jesus bring? Jesus brings reconciliation through his death. What does he bring with his life? His life, his salvation, yeah, eternal life to live forever. I mean, he says, if, if he can bring, bring reconciliation through his death, think about what he can do with his life. I mean, that's what Paul is saying. I mean, this, this idea that we now have eternal life because he lives again. He conquered death. And so Jesus brings reconciliation. Jesus brings everlasting life. But what do we have with God through Jesus? What did it say in verse 1? Peace. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So because of what Jesus did, we now have peace, which means we are partakers of peace. We also receive peace through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have what peace that, that Jesus brings this peace between us and God, but now he makes it a fruit. <laughs> Love, joy, peace. And so now peace begins to be part of who we are. It's not just something that abstractly we say okay well now we're back with with God he takes it and says this peace is what brings us together but also this is the peace that lives in you and as you partake of the peace from Jesus through through him we then get to give peace as part of who we are sons and daughters of God think of it this way the peace is infused in our life all by the grace of God. His grace gives us peace and it changes our hearts. 
And so think about this. As we partake in his peace, as we partake in his grace, do you think that how we live matters or changes? Well, first of all, does it matter? Well, of course it does. Do you think that by having the grace of God in your life and having the peace in your life, do you think that it would change not just that it matters, but do you think it changes who you are? Does it change what you do? Does it change how you think? Does it change how you treat someone else? No, we don't like that one. We're all the way up there until that whole relationship with other people thing, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're good, we're good, we're good. Whoa. I don't know what it is, and I talk about this a lot, but I don't know what it is about our relationships with other people, but somehow some because of the hurt that we've encountered, because of things that have been said, because of things that have been done, we have put up these walls or barriers and we just, mm, we just don't know how to handle them. And I get it. Every single one of us has been hurt. Every single one of us has encountered those, those types of, of, of tragic, broken relationships. Different degrees for every person. But there's still loss and there's still pain and there's still hurt. So could God's grace, could God's peace change any of that? You see, as we truly partake in the grace that God gives to us, as we truly partake in his peace, it takes away our hostility towards someone else. This idea of being angry at them, wanting to get revenge, wanting to get back at them. God's peace calms that down. As we partake of his peace, it puts to rest anger and bitterness, not wanting to see them pay, getting them back. Every time we see them, think about them, hear about them, someone's talking about them, our blood begins to boil. You know what I'm talking about? But his peace brings it back down and says, they're covered just as much as you are. Envy dies. Becoming envious of other people is really easy to do. They get something that you want, they get the promotion, they get the job, they get, they get the, 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 the baby, they get the kid, they get whatever the case is. There's always going to be people in your life that you look at and say, man, I wish I had that. And I don't know if, there's, if, if, if that initial thought is necessarily wrong, this idea of, of looking at something and saying, well, that's nice. But when it, begun, when it begins to eat at your heart to say, I want that. Or they don't deserve that. I deserve that. What do they think? They're, you know, they always get the nice stuff. They always get this. They always, everything is always handed to them on a silver platter. How would it, you know? Whoa. Envy dies when you partake of God's peace. Because you realize what you've already received is by far greater than anything that you could gain on this earth. And so the envy dies. You know what else dies? Hold on to your seats on this one. Evil gossip and jumping to conclusions. I gotta say that being around kids is one of those things that... 
I guess as you get older, you, you kind of look at things a little bit differently. But as, as kids, if, I mean, you've got to think about it. If you're running and you happen to trip over somebody's foot, they meant to do that. They meant to do that. They did that on purpose. And I, you know, whether they did or not, you don't really know. You say, you know, sometimes accidents do happen. But oftentimes, you and I, even as adults, will jump to conclusions about other people and about what's going on in their life. Well, you know, you know why they probably did that, right? <laughs> well, you know, what, you know what they're probably thinking. They looked at me funny. You know what? They're mad at me. <laughs> we jump to conclusions. Or this idea of gossip. You know what I heard about so-and-so. You know, we really need to be praying for sister so-and-so. You know why? Here's what's going on in their life. Evil gossip and jumping to conclusions will stop. Because when you have the peace of God in your heart, you rec- that then gets transferring to, to all relationships around you. And even if you hear something, you can say, uh, I, that stops with me. And I'm going to pray my heart out that God's peace fills this situation. Hatred, jealousy, a critical spirit, those things cannot exist in a heart full of God's peace. I mean, think about it. Do those things exist in the heart of God? No, because he's love and he brings us peace. He is peace. Jesus is the prince of peace. You think those things exist in Jesus' heart? No, of course not. So if he's giving us a new heart and we're partaking of his peace, then the way that we think about others, the way that we talk about others, the way that we treat others, the way that we we live this life and how we, all those things that we think about, it all changes because Jesus changes us. You can't go and make peace unless you have peace. When we experience the peace of God, we experience peace with each other. In other words, Jesus gave us peace when he died on the cross for us. Now it's our turn to give peace to someone else so that they too can experience the peace of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who show others the peace that has been given to us so generously. So what does this look like in our lives? What does it look like to be a peacemaker? Well, going back to the very beginning, I believe, yes, being a peacemaker is stopping fights between two people. But it's not so that you are the one that say, I stopped that but it's because the peace that is filled inside of you recognizes that there's no way that God's children can, can, can act like this. Thank you. And in that, when we realize that this is no way that God's children act, I can't stand by and not infuse peace into a situation when I know that when I was fighting against God as a sinner of, of, uh, against him, he infused his peace into my life. So yeah, it can be stopping a fight between people. It can be having kids apologize to each other and to go play again. It can be apologizing when you've said something hurtful and wrong. 
It can be forgiving and reconciling. Yes, it can be all of these things. But understand this, that a true peacemaker can only make peace when they have peace. And that peace is Jesus. Can you imagine what it would look like for an entire church to be filled with the peace of God? Can you imagine an entire church, every single person, so filled with God's peace? Making peace. Not criticizing, not judging, not gossiping, not grumbling, not self-seeking, not lazy and selfish, not prideful, not condemning, but peacemaking. Infusing, infusing Jesus into every situation. Infusing Jesus in every conversation. Infusing Jesus in every complication. I ran, I ran out of Asians, but you get it. We infuse Jesus in every, every moment of our life, in every situation, his peace and his love and his grace. We look at every situation differently than the way we would norm, look at it naturally. Christ's followers are sent to the world with the message of peace. The peace that God has made with men and the peace that we make with each other. I believe that whoever reveals the love of Christ to someone else is a peacemaker. Whoever leads someone else to Jesus is a peacemaker. Whoever leads someone to renounce their old sinful life and to yield their heart to God and to accept him as their Lord and Savior is a peacemaker because you're helping someone. And in most cases, not just one person, but that person affects somebody else and that person affects somebody else and you are creating more and more peace as the thing that gets in the way between us and our God is eliminated from people's lives and peace is made between God and man one heart at a time. And every single time you show love, every single time you, sh you give sympathy, every single time you give words of life, every single time you forgive, every single time you reconcile, every single time you break up a fight, every single time you infuse Jesus into a situation, every single time you are helping peace be made here on this earth. And so we get to be peacemakers. But if you're going to make peace, you've got to have peace. And so my friends, my church family, before we run out and we start to fix every situation that we can find because we want to be a peacemaker, before you do that, invite Jesus into your heart to lead you as to where to infuse Jesus and his peace. It starts first in our own heart and in our own life. But as his peace infiltrates 
and takes up every nook and cranny of our heart, it begins to transform us into who he wants us to be. Romans chapter 8 and verse 14. Let's go there for, let's just look at this for a second. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Romans 8 and verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Being a son of God, daughter of God, is someone who is led by the Holy Spirit. And you are led by the Holy Spirit because of the peace that Jesus brought to this earth. So as you live this life and as you go around, be led by him so that you can infuse Jesus and his peace everywhere. But let it start first in our own hearts. And may we be so full of his spirit, so full of his peace, so full of Jesus that it's not something that we even have to try to do. It just happens because that's the fruit that comes from the Spirit. If you want to make peace, you've got to have peace. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your word this morning. That as we look at making peace in our life, there may be people that have come up to, in our own hearts and our own minds of people that we need to make peace with. But Lord, if we've been holding a grudge, if we've been holding on to unforgiveness, if we've been, if our heart and our blood boils when we think about certain individuals, we first need to receive peace from you. And so Lord, we're sorry where we have put up a wall or barriers or we've tried to handle these things on our own. We invite you again into our hearts and that you could have full reign, and that you would fill us with your spirit, and that your, your, your spirit would lead us and guide us, that peace would fill us. And so, in every situation that we come across, every person that we meet, every story that we hear, everywhere that we go, that your peace would shine through it would be infused in every situation. May we, may we not try to do things without you. So Lord, fill us and lead us so that we may be sons and daughters of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.